When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to The Last Show on Earth. I'm John Owen Jones. And I'm Alistair Brammer. And welcome to the podcast where each episode we ask our guests the big, big question that nobody ever needed to ask. If there was a huge meteor hurtling towards Earth, threatening to destroy life as we know it, and you could see one more show before you die, what would it be? It can be anything, anything you want. A show you've seen before, one that you wish you'd seen, or something you've made up entirely. On today's episode, we are joined by someone who is quite simply a national treasure, a multi-award winning comedy legend who found fame on BBC television show Shooting Stars with Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. He's gone on to write, direct and star in many acclaimed TV shows of his own, like Pompidou, Come Fly With Me and, of course, Little Britain. With numerous major Hollywood movies under his belt, a starring role in Doctor Who, a large handful of theatre jobs and more recently a host of hosting credits including The Great British Bake Off, we are thrilled that he found time to squeeze us in. Especially as he's also an author and was in the middle of writing yet another book. We recorded this episode way back in May of 2021, so almost all of the topical references are a year out of date, so look forward to that. Yeah. Now, we talked about many, many things, including Twitter, having a chart-topping hit single, and Turkish delight. But enough from us. I can feel the heat of this meteor on my face, so please enjoy the last show on Earth of the brilliant shooting star that is Mr. Matt Lucas. Well, I'll tell you an interesting little thing I learned about ABBA. Apparently, the, the songwriting happens when they hear a hit song in the charts, and then they basically look at what works and emulate it. No, I did the same. I mean, Thank You, Baked Potatoes, just a reworking of Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. <laughs> On here we ask a question nobody dared to ask. If you had a day to live, what show would be your last? What is your last show on earth? This is the last show on earth. My name is John. My name is Al. Been friends a long time past. We want to know what show you'd see. If you knew it was to be your last, what is your last show on earth? This is the last show on earth. What is your last show? This is the last show on Earth. Welcome to the last show on Earth, Mr. Matt Lucas. Thank you very much. Thank you. How are you, Matt? Hello. I'm all right. I'm a bit confused because I misread the email. I thought this was an interview with Owen Jones. I thought we were going to discuss (laughs) issues of the day. Labour activist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find him quite an interesting character. He's very divisive, isn't he? Do you personally know him? No, we've 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 well we've had a uh, some t- uh, t- uh, like Twitter tweeted each other, but in a cordial manner. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I've never personally encountered him. 
No, right. okay. Well, I mean, um, I follow him on Twitter as well, and he follows me, and I've never spoken to him. I think we're just following each other because we have similar names. Um, but let's talk quickly about Twitter, actually. It's interesting that you've got... How many followers have you got? You've got like a million or something? I don't know. No, mm. you've got a lot, right? And so do you find it a useful tool for interacting with people that you might not speak to otherwise? Yeah, I think you just have to be aware in... in um this job, you know, because we all that Twitter is basically an activist platform. It's a political platform. It's become that, and, yeah. Yeah, and so it's good for um, saying what you think. It's not great for conversation because I think generally people express an idea on Twitter with no intention. You know, it's often it, it might be dressed. It might have the illusion of conversation, but. It isn't, and and people are um, loath to change their minds, or certainly certainly a- admit or acknowledge that they've changed their minds. And there's no there's no there's no nuance on there. There's no context. There's no. It's true, and, and it so, stays there so forever. Well, there's that as well. So I think I think Twitter's a, a useful promotional tool. I don't I don't really look at it for anything else. I think I think there was a time when it felt like you could make friends on there and have yeah. and have debate but i i think that ship has sailed i don't think twitter's the place for that anymore yeah it used to be a such, like having a conversation in a pub yeah now you have a little thing you do every morning on twitter you, you yes. send a little good morning I love video the good mornings and uh, it's hugely entertaining and i never fail to watch the whole thing some of them are so bizarre yeah so bizarre where do you find this stuff well some of it's just on youtube uh, or occasionally on Vimeo. Um, some of it is from my own video collection. <laughs> uh, but I go on, on deep dives on YouTube sometimes. It's, I think the, great, the, the good thing is I'm a writer. And by the way, being a writer means telling people you're a writer. It doesn't actually mean writing. Right. And so, and so <laughs> during the, you know, in that period of the day, which is almost all of the day when I ought to be writing and I'm not... <laughs> I just am on YouTube looking at absolute nonsense. And I think that the thing about Good Morning uh, is that I've, God, I've never even spoken about this before, but I've never sort of said this is what it is. It just sort of happened. And some days it gets 300 likes and yeah. some days it gets 20,000 likes. It just sort of depends what I find, what I post. Yeah. But I go, I, I've now selected clips and save them on my computer up to, they're all dated, um, <laughs> up until uh, the very, very end of 2022. Oh my God, have you wow. scheduled them for, for tweeting yeah, as well? So I have a, yeah, so I have a, um, uh, a programme where I can, where I can um, load them in. But you can only load them in a year in advance, and I know that... that that uh, so I've got several months more to load in, but yes, yeah. you will. Even if I died tomorrow, you'd have another year's worth of automatic good morning tweets. That's bonkers. So, have you always had an interest in you know writing? Well, it was. A, I'm. I remember Ben Elton saying in an interview early on that he never really wanted to be a comedian. He wanted to be a writer, but he didn't think anybody would uh, perform his material. And I was the other way around, which is I really wanted to be an actor, but I lost my hair when I was six. And, you know, in my, I, I used to do things like National Youth Theatre and yeah. National Youth Music Theatre. And I did actually get a part in a West End play when I was 14. But generally, you know, it was, it was 
not not only is there you know huge unemployment in the acting profession anyway, yeah. but also I just thought, who's going to cast me? I've got no hair. I've got right. no hair. Who the hell's going to cast me? So at eighteen, I started doing stand up comedy. But but it really wasn't really with any ambitions to be a writer. It was more about basically writing something for myself so I would have something to perform. And is that when, because I saw you in a very early stand-up at The Spot in Covent Garden doing Bernard oh, yeah. Chumley. That's right. Yeah. Was he one of your earliest characters you created? He was the first He was the first character, yeah, Sir Bernard. Did you actually do this play when you were 14 in the West End that you just mentioned? Yeah. And what was the play? The play was called The Fifteen Streets and it was an adaptation of a Catherine Cookson novel. Right. And it starred Owen Teal, who ah. is, uh, you will know Owen Teal. You yes, probably I do, personally yeah. know I've, him, I I've, imagine. Yes, I do, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, he was yeah. in Game of Thrones, people yeah. will recognise him. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and I was a, a child's extra, so I didn't have any uh, solo lines or anything, but I was, I was on stage quite a lot. And that, was, it, that one of your was, first, was that your first professional credit? Yeah, it was, a, I, you know, we got paid, we didn't get paid, we got paid uh, travel expenses. Wow. But I, I, uh, I loved it. I, 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 it was in the summer holidays, and uh, but I, I, I just I, I was on the West End stage, yeah, and I was working with professional actors, and they were great and they were really nice, and um, yeah, it was just it was just a great experience for did me. Did you have Before that moment when you were that age? Did you have that? Did you have that moment or not uh, of sort of stepping on the stage, looking up and going, "Huh, I could do this." Was it? Was it then? Yeah. Definitely, it was it was magical. I was on, I was in the West End play. Mm. I was fourteen years old. Uh, and was, you'd been in the national. Um, youth I'd been theater. in the national youth music, music theatre the theater. year before that, right. and then two years later, I got into the national youth theatre, which is where I met David uh, Williams. Yeah. But so so but but I started doing stand up because, as I say, I did not think anybody would write anything mm -hmm. for me. But every actor I met uh, would tell me. Uh, if I ever said, you know, I was a young kid and I said, oh, I, I want to be an actor, they'd all go, oh, no, 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 you mustn't. No, you mustn't. Oh, you mustn't. No, you mustn't. And I remember me and me and Williams finding that really funny. And he used to do this great routine just for my amusement where he'd do different responses of different actors when you were, you were a young person right. saying that you wanted to be an actor. Go, no, 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 never, never, no, no. It's no life, you see. It's no <laughs> life at all. No, you're they are constantly work. trying to put you off. It does feel like that. Well, also, they are trying to put you off. And the other thing was, and I'm going back to the late 80s here, the big thing was getting an equity card. Now, I mean, yeah. nowadays, equity are begging you to join. But back then... It was the it was the absolute holy grail was getting an equity card. And mm. the whole thing was, well, you can't get work unless you've got an equity card, but you can't get an equity card unless you've got work. It's a catch-22 situation. Yeah. And that was this thing, a catch-22 situation. And, you know, people... <laughs> that's they, and that's why they were end up going on cruise ships or doing some sort of Yeah, exactly. Thing. And Peter Capaldi, who I did Doctor Who with, he, 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 he had done stand-up. He'd done a cabaret act in order to get his equity card. And that's what even I think even people like Kenneth Branner and Emma Thompson did did ropey cabaret acts in order to get their equity cards. Yeah. So that whole generation, Robbie Coltrane, that's what you had to do. Well, I'm to of get that generation card. as well. I had to go and work in rep theatre to get my equity card. I right. turned down a major motion picture, a tiny part, to get uh, a show where I could get my equity card. It was three days filming or three months working in the theatre in rep doing... Merchant of Venice, The Boys from Syracuse, and then The Sound of Music. And so I chose that to get my equity card. And, of course, that then shaped my entire path 
professionally. See, I wish I'd seen that because you'd have made a wonderful Liesl. <laughs> Right, this is Al's 10 questions, yes. where um, he has 10 quickfire questions and uh, about your career, uh, which we would like to see how many you can get right. Let's see how well you know your own biography. Are you ready? Let's do it. Matt Lucas, here is your career in 10 questions. Dum, dum, dum. In Little Britain, what is the name of Daffod Thomas's friend who works in the pub? Mavanwee. Correct. In 2006, you played the role of Mr. Toad in a TV adaptation of Wind in the Willows, but who wrote the novel? Kenneth Graham. Correct. What was the name of the surreal sitcom originally on BBC Three that you starred alongside Vic and Bob in in 2004? Oh, Catterick. Oh, what a genius piece of work that was. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Question four. You played Lee Bowery in the musical Taboo. Complete this lyric from his song, I'll Have You All. Fat. Thin, old, young, tiny meat. Well hung, white, black, Yay, half good. chat. Did you see the size of that? <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> a great lyric. It's great. You played Tweedledum and Tweedledee in Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Name three other Tim Burton films. Sleepy Hollow, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Edward Scissorhands. Amazing, amazing. Your song Peanuts from Shooting Stars became something Peanuts! of a classic. <laughs> but who, who wrote the comic strip Peanuts? Charles Schultz. Very good. You How is that a question Apart- about my career? You starred in the film Small Apartments, which co-starred Billy Crystal. Name two other precious or semi-precious stones. Gem and Ruby. Very good. <laughs> you currently host Bake Off with Noel Fielding. Is he a nice bloke? He's an absolute charm. Oh, good. And bonus point. We can edit that so we can change the word charm to something else. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. There's a nice gap there. And a bonus point. Are Paul Hollywood's eyes really that astonishingly blue? Yes, they are deep oceans of blue. You could go for a lovely, cool summer swim in them. <laughs> Two more questions. You've played bottom in the BBC's adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream. What's another word for bottom? Uh, passive. <laughs> You could say taker. I have a, I have a funny, funny answer for that, but it's not as funny as oh. yours. So correct. And finally, and finally, you spent a lot of time at the Sondheim Theatre, previously the Queen's Theatre. But what is the name of the man on stage door who played a zombie in Shaun of the Dead? Oh, it's Mark. Correct. correct. Is it Donovan? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Mark Donovan. Yeah. Bravo. Bravo. Oh. Bravo. You got. I, I think you got ten. Ten out of ten. Perfect score. I yeah, know. I know first. who I am. <laughs> so obviously now we've been talking about musicals, and you, Matt, have a big love of musicals. It's very well known that obviously you've come from a very different arena to people like me and um, Alistair, and you know you've you've taken musicals on, and you've been hugely successful with you know roles in things like. Me and My Girl and, you know, Les Mis and Taboo, of course. So you're a musical theatre fan, it's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. And that's funny because uh, often when you're in a musical and you sort of talk of your love of musicals, everyone else in the musical goes, oh, I can't stand musicals. <laughs> yes. Everyone else is in it just, just goes, oh, I just want to I just want to do I want to do some straight theatre. And I'm like, you're mad. This is the best job in the world. <laughs> do you do you? um Still, are you still having Turkish delights? Oh yeah. So me and John, we would, we would, we're both 
huge fans of, of the yeah. Fry's Turkish Delight chocolate bar. Well, I got an Easter egg this year, Fry's Turkish Delight Easter egg. You couldn't oh, get them for years. I didn't know they did that. Uh, well, I got two. I wow. bought one for myself thinking yeah. I wouldn't get one. And then I got bought one. So I've eaten one and I've said to my wife, hide it away. I want it down the line as an extra special surprise. How did it? How did the... It was basically the egg you used to get when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, like yes. what? So, Matt like, what did you? So jealous. Was it? Was it? Was it actually full? Was the egg actually full of Turkish delight jelly? No, nah, it, like it was. It's it's one or maybe it was two Turkish delights and a chocolate egg made with the chocolate that the Turkish delights made. Okay, with. but did the right. chocolate? Did the chocolate in the chocolate egg taste of Turkish delight, or did it just taste of chocolate? Just tasted of chocolate. Ah, oh, that's oh, where. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 less yeah. interesting. It was a happy day, you know, because my dad used to love them as well, and that's where I got my love of yeah. them. Yeah, they're a good bar. They're a good bar. Is it a bar though? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, I remember, John. I remember when we were rehearsing for Les Misérables in Dubai. I, when I was on Jurassic, and you were—I um, think you were Jean Valjean, weren't you? Yeah. Do you remember this during the rehearsal? We were uh, th- uh, three meals, and you and Peter Policarpo, sorry, Matt, was playing. Uh, Tenardier, and and you you came out and and you said where's my Turkish delight and Peter went here I am <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't even work because it's not Turkish but it was very funny. We're going to do a little thing called what three words. Okay. Um, do you want to explain what it is, Al? Um, you can if you want. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Alistair Brammer, you might know this. He's got this bizarre skill where you can tell him a sentence. And he'll tell you how many letters are in that sentence. Oh, really? For example, Alistair, tell me how many letters are in smartest thing ever said. 21. See, I mean, and that you can go and check that. It'll be correct. Smartest is eight, thing is five, ever said. So that's yeah. 13 plus eight. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you want three words. Have you got, have you got your three words ready? Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go, then, for what three words? Three words have you heard that you like to challenge Al with? It's a special skill to give you a thrill and prove he's a real wordsmith. Give him three words and he can say how many letters they contain right away. What three words have you heard that you'd like to challenge Al with? Oh, what three words have you heard that you'd really like to challenge Al with? Matt Lucas, what are your three words? Oh, where's Alfie? <laughs> <laughs> That's very easy. It's 13. That's very good. What three words have you heard that you'd like to challenge Al with? It's a special skill to give you a thrill and prove he's a real wordsmith. Give him three words and he can say how many letters they contain right away. What three words have you heard that you'd like to challenge Al with? Oh, what three words have you heard that you'd really like to challenge Al with? Anyway, I think we should get on to your last show on Earth now, Matt. Well, my last show, the last, it's a tough one. You know, there's, there's, there's a, there's, there's, there were sort of three candidates for this. Yeah. So one, one of the candidates is my favourite stage musical is 42nd Street. And that was one of the candidates. I saw that when I was maybe 11 or 12, which had Frankie Vaughan in. Oh, wow, yeah. I worked with him. Did you work with Frankie Vaughan? Yeah, yeah. I did this charity thing once at the Prince Edward Theatre. And on the cast list, listen to this, right? Frankie Vaughan, Larry Adler, Samantha Janis, Shane Ritchie, Brian Blessed, Tony Robinson and me. 
Wow. <laughs> and do you know what's amazing about that? What? It's just the idea that you would do something for charity. <laughs> That's great. And yeah. so, and, and so, it, was a, it was literally one of the last gigs he did, and Larry yeah. Adler, and they were both very sweet and very charming. Um, what did you do? What did you do? Oh, well, other guests. It's one of two songs, isn't it? <laughs> uh, music, yeah. music of the night. No, it was, um, it was Bring Him Home. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. uh, there was a one and in two In chance, fact, it was yeah. an event where Shin Ritchie stole the headlines in the Evening Standard the next day because they were doing a few of Cameron's musicals, Cameron Mackintosh's musicals, and Saigon was doing uh, solo saxophone, Last Night of the World. And uh, Shane Ritchie thought it would be hilarious to steal a saxophone from the orchestra and walk behind them as they were doing this big romantic number, playing a saxophone really badly. Of course, everybody was furious because it wasn't rehearsed. And, you know, it was actually downright rude. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it it got all the headlines. Well, I bet you wouldn't have found it funny if you were singing Chris that night, mate. (laughs) I suppose not. I suppose not. But the idea of it, it makes me laugh, so... Yeah, but it was one of those things where I was in the green room when he concocted the idea and I was like, oh dear, that's not very nice. And then he went ahead and did it anyway. And then he was all over the papers the next day for ruining the show. Did the actors know that he was going to do no, it? No, no idea, no. And, you know, the saxophone was squeaking and, and whistling and it was just hideous. Yeah, it would ruin your performance. You'd yeah. be off-put by the tune, you wouldn't know where yeah. you were, yeah. And credit, okay, to, credit to Chris and Kim, they, they did turn in a pro performance, but you should have seen the directors and the producers running around like blue-ass flies backstage, crazy angry at him, you know. So 42nd Street was was one of the things I considered because I saw it as a child and um, I was enchanted by it. Just the, 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 not just the quality of dancing, but the quantity of dancing, to see that many dancers on stage at the yeah, same yeah. time. Um, and it had... Uh, uh, Frankie Vaughan, and it was the production that Catherine Zeta-Jones was in. Oh wow. yes, of course, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. oh, is that is, is is that that famous story of her being the understudy? Uh, yes. Yeah. Although, I mean, I, I I cannot remember who I saw as Peggy Sawyer the night I went, or the afternoon I went. So I went to the matinee, and I went to get Frankie Vaughan's autograph afterwards, and uh, he was sleeping already he was in bed but he signed he he signed the program and sent it down which was i thought was very sweet well, of him. he was a very very sweet guy when i met yeah him. yeah he got you got a good vibe from him yeah so so that was one option the other option was probably the best thing i've ever seen in terms of production the best production i've ever seen was uh not that long ago it was only a couple of years ago um on broadway at the uh, circle in the square theater uh, was uh, I think his name is Daniel Fish. It, it, his production of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. which was nicknamed Woklahoma, it was staged <laughs> in such an innovative way, uh, and and in the round or sort of in the oval, really. And uh, the audience were all very close to the action. The lights were on in the auditorium for most of the show, right? Wow. And uh, there were multimedia elements, and he, and he took an American classic and. With without changing very much of it, there was a couple of key moments that he did change, but without changing very much of it, he allowed you to look at something that you had seen many, many times before in a completely new, contemporary, questioning way. Yeah. And it, it, it was really, it was really great. It was really great. And I felt, I remember thinking there's nowhere else I'd rather be than here right now. I do, I do love it when a, when a production does that, just makes you see something in a completely new way. 
Um, something something that you think you know so well. I, I, I remember having that feeling actually when I saw Anne Hathaway do I Dreamed a Dream. It's a show I'd seen a million times and done it and been involved in a million times. But when I heard her sing I Dreamed a Dream, whether it was like the best version or not is a, is, is a whole different question. But it made me hear it again for the first time. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what this Oklahoma did. And, and, and it, was, it was really extraordinary what, what he did with it. And, and I hope that uh, production comes to the UK at some point. Well, I would love to see it. I mean, I mean I'm a big fan of Rodgers and Hammerstein and that is that's one of those shows that I find a bit meh, you know, so an interesting production might be what I need. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, Rod Steiger as as um as Judd in the film. Like that was a, I, I loved him in that film. Yeah. Yeah, he's he brilliant. brilliant. He's brilliant. So this was dark. A, a really fey, slight young Judd. It was it's fantastic. Ooh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Really, really, really interesting. So that was your second choice, but what then did you finally settle on for your last show on Earth? Well, I've gone for a show that I've seen three times, J- just for the pure, the pure, brainless pleasure of it, Mamma Mia, because ah. I love ABBA, and it was also the first show I saw with my late partner Kevin, so it has a kind of uh, 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 resonance for that reason. But I just there, there was, you know, there were, there had been jukebox musicals, mm-hmm. but there hadn't been a huge jukebox musical yet. Not no. really, not a huge one. And and Mamma Mia came along, and there's just this game that is played, uh, it, and nobody says, "Oh, we're going to play a game," and here are the rules. <laughs> it just sort of transpires. There's a game that is played where you, as an audience. Listen to the dialogue, which really is just connective tissue, isn't it? Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it, 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 more than ever in this show, and you're trying to work out which song is coming up next. <laughs> and, that is, and that is the, there's such pleasure in that game because it's so funny because sometimes it's so corny how they get into a song. And other times they really blindside you and it's really yeah. unexpected. And you go, oh, I wasn't expecting to hear this and then, here. Curiously, it's very moving at the end then. Isn't really it? moving, yeah, yeah. really moving, um, you know, and, and, and it's just a really charming piece of theatre. And of course, of course, it, you know, it's easy, it's easy to, to look down on stuff. You know, ABBA, like Queen, probably my two, my two favourite bands, uh, and ABBA and Queen are both, have both been sneered at uh, over the years. Yeah. But they're also two of the top bands that ever existed. Well, you know, it's one of those oh, yeah, things that a- any kind of success like that, Coldplay, Bon Jovi, you know, people like that, hugely successful but slated because they're successful. Now, you know, it's, it's very unfair. It's partly success. Also, I think both Queen and ABBA um, are chasing fairly commercial aims aren't they with their music they're 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 thinking about what's big yeah well i'll tell you an interesting little thing i learned about abba apparently the the songwriting happens when they hear a hit song in the charts and then they basically write a song that fits the rhythm of a big hit so say you had like a big ed sheeran number one abba might listen to that benny and Björn might listen to that and then they take what works in the song and then they write their own lyrics and their own melody and they put it in the rhythmic framework of a hit pop song. Of, yeah, and the sort of chords, yeah. So they, they basically look at what works and emulate it. No, I did the same. I mean, thank you, Baked Potatoes. Just a reworking of Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, ultimately, everything, yeah. everything yeah, is, isn't it? Yeah. No, I, I, and that's yeah. really, really interesting because, because <laughs> the, the, the best art borrows, doesn't it? And then, and, but, but you can't see its yeah. origins often. 
and and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I love it because I think that it's just a, going to see Mamma Mia. It's just a celebration, and like I say, there, there, there is a bit of a snobbery. With, a little bit within the industry, certainly from other people, you know, and, and ABBA's lyrics are not, you know, they're not profound in the way that a Beatles lyric sometimes is. But you know what? It's, it's a bit like, you know, whatever you think of Michael Jackson, and I don't think much in terms of who he was as a man, but whatever you think about him, when you put Billie Jean on the dance floor, everyone gets up. Yeah. And it's the same with ABBA, you know, you, it doesn't matter how cool you are. Yeah, it is, brings yeah. people. Yeah, it brings people together. That music and and it's really unpretentious. It's really inclusive, and uh, it celebrates and, and, life. Yeah, and it's and it's you know it's, it's from the heart. And I like the fact that Mamma Mia just it never ever tries to be cool. It's just fun. Yeah, yeah. You know they don't think they don't think they're doing Hamlet, do they? They know they're doing Abba, and good luck to them. Yeah. Can I ask you who would be in your dream cast, Matt? You could. So to, let's kick off. Donna is the mum, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm going for Maz Murray, who does play who does play the role. Yeah. Yeah. And wonderful. the reason I'm going for her is not because um, she can sing the hell out of it, uh, but because her husband has a bakery, <laughs> and uh, he bakes Jewish color bread yeah and it is the most beautiful bread and you know because yeah. you were there when we were doing Les Miserables concert recently yeah Maz would would stop by on her way to doing Mamma Mia uh, after the midweek matinee and drop in some some color bread for us so I the reason I'd like to see her in it is because uh, I would let her know in advance that I was coming <laughs> and then I'd be able to go to the dressing room and get a really nice bread what is challah bread? Challah bread is uh, a bread with egg in it. It's a white bread with egg in it, but it's really soft and tender and it's often quite chewy. It's quite oh. doughy. I would say, would you say it's kind of like the Jewish equivalent of um, uh, brioche? Yeah, it's, it, it has brioche qualities, but it's, it's less flaky than brioche. It's, it's got a, a firm, squidgier, yeah. And yeah. her bagels are second to none, mm. and that's not even a euphemism. I was going to no. say, this all yeah. just sounds yeah. great. But do you, Very nice. Oh, do you know? Do you know, Maz? No, I've never met her. I know yeah. who she is. I'd, I've been in the same room as her at various times, but never. But I tell you, she is one of the funniest people I know. She She's makes great. me howl with laughter. I saw her do Donna. She was excellent. Stole the show, really. You know, and I, I think I've seen, I think I must have seen Mamma Mia four or five times over the years. I've seen it once, and the woman that I saw played Donna did the most unusual thing I've ever seen on stage, which is she spoke... With vibrato. Have you ever heard this? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, no, Sophie, I don't know what to do. It was this sort of very odd sort of thing. I was like, what is happening here? That's right. Oh, no. It was very strange. I don't know who it was. Well, we're going to have to go through was. the cast was list she, when we finish this. Was she a lamb by any chance? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, who else would you have in your cast, Matt? So I'd have Katie Seacombe as one of the friends. Yeah. Who, and she has played that role, I think. Yes, yeah, she has, yeah. 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 Uh, just because uh, we've played husband and wife in Les Mis, uh, you know, on and off for the for a decade, you know, coming in, coming out. Yeah. And um, I see up close on stage uh, what a brilliantly funny woman she is yeah i also know backstage what a voice she's got on her oh, but, yeah. but the way that madame Tenardier has to be sung it has to be kind of yelled 
So as much as anything, it would just be an opportunity to hear Katie sing the way I know she can sing, uh -huh. rather yeah. than the way Madame Thenardier dictates you must sing. Yeah, well, of Bars, course. I mean, yeah. she's been given the genes by her dad, Harry Seeker, yeah. of course, you know, yeah. who was an incredible tenor, proper operatic tenor. Now, Katie is one was of those it, people, isn't she? Was it really? She? Well, Harry Seacombe? Yeah. Well, you don't know? Yeah, I, I, know, I know who he is, but I didn't know he was a great singer. OK, so, Alistair, have you ever seen the movie of Oliver? Yes. So, Mr Bumble in Oliver. One oh, boy, boy for sale. Of course. That's Harry Seacombe. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Do you know, I, this is ridiculous. This is going to sound like a humble brag, but once I was asked to go in an audition for that role in front of Cameron, even though um, I didn't want to play it and Cameron didn't want me to do it, um, but the casting director thought it would be a good idea for the director to see how it could be sung. Wow. That's and amazing. so I had to learn the whole thing and everything. That's a humble brag. Yeah. Well, well, also, that is, uh, that's an interesting thing because uh, uh, I've met uh, many actors who they, they've got a first audition or a second or a third audition for, for a, a role in a West End musical, like a long-running West End musical yeah. because they change their casts uh, annually. And then I say, oh, oh um, how, how did it, how, you know, have you heard yet? And they say, yeah, yeah, so-and-so has actually decided to stay on. Yeah, and 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 uh, so so usually what happens when a, a show is is you know when they're six months or four months away from from a, a, a cast change a new a cast yeah. change they they sort of meet with the cast and usually eighty percent of them are, are probably asked back aren't they ninety yeah. percent and there's one or two maybe that you know it hasn't quite worked the way they hoped it would or there's yeah. or there's a few that that have just have got another job or they want to take a break they're going to have a baby yeah, or yeah, something yeah. so so you know maybe a third of the cast stay on but the really strange thing is that they spend their time auditioning people and then the actor just says no I think I'm going to do another year and I just think why don't you have that conversation before you put loads of actors through yeah. auditions and it's really really weird it seems to me tremendously inefficient do you know yeah, what I totally why, agree. why yeah. does that happen is that to do with casting directors sort of justifying well no, their you know, work? well you could say that but i think it happens mainly because they like to see who's out there and who's available and they i mean i did an audition for beauty and the beast the original cast and then years later i worked with the musical director on broadway and he had his original notes from my audition and they wow. keep them all. So they, they have a library. All the casting directors have libraries of what people have done, how their auditions went, etc., etc. But also, a tour is coming up, or they might want an understudy or something. So they like to just see everyone. It's a useful exercise for everyone. I think sometimes it's that the actor has gone, has gone yep, I'm going to leave, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. And then it gets closer to the contract, to the end of the contract, and they get scared. And they go, actually, uh, can I stay? Yeah, so yeah. They, they're already halfway through the process, but actually... It's easier for the directors and the resident directors and the producers to just keep the guy that already knows it yeah. or the girl that already knows it yeah, of course. than it is to cast any of the people they've already seen. I think of course. Of course, you know because you know you know what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. So it's easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's an expensive process recasting anyway with all the auditions and, you know, the negotiations and then new costumes, etc., etc. Um, so and, you... I, and I think that it depends on who you are. But I think if... if if it was you, Matt, if you then turned around and went, actually, I think I'd like to stay, which, which I, don't think, I don't think you would do. I might. No, but I mean, as in, I don't think you would turn around at the last second and go, actually, I changed my mind, would you? Oh, I see. Um, my thing is, I love to be occupied, right? So, so 
if I, so it's unlikely that I would have nothing to do in three months' time. Even yeah. if it's just me writing a book that nobody's even, even published, agreed to publish, I've still, I still will have a plan for that period yeah. of time. Or it might yeah. just be a project like, oh, no, I really want to travel to this place or I really want to transfer some home videos or, or, or I've got a, a, ske- you know, a, a thing I want to write and try and sell. So I've always, I've always got things going on. So mm. I, I, ne- I, I don't often just reach a point where suddenly the diary's empty. But that's not always, that doesn't mean I've been hired necessarily. It just means I've got ideas and I want to do something with yeah, them. Yeah, isn't that one of the yeah. benefits of, of success, really? The luxury you get given of having the choice to say no to do something you want to do yeah but 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 uh yes you can be grateful that you're not doing things that you definitely know from the outset you don't want to do yeah uh, i guess that, that is a nice position to be in and uh but the, the flip side is you do i do still find myself taking jobs and then not enjoying them while i'm doing oh, them. of course yeah they just weren't they were jobs i thought i would enjoy and yeah. then maybe they maybe they weren't that much fun we've all been there that's a, it's a it's a bit of a minefield sometimes you think oh this is going to be the dream the dream i can't wait to do it and it turns into a nightmare it's always about the people isn't it it's, it's so yeah often yeah you get, if you're with the right people if you're people that you get on with that you have something in common with that you share a sense of humor with or something as simple as that yeah even just one or two people you only need a couple you need a couple that you can really get on with and you only need a couple that are not good people and you can have a terrible terrible yeah uh, it's like a cancer yeah Yeah. and i did i did one show where there were just two or three really not good people in it and 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 the vibe of the show was was toxic toxic tainted yeah people didn't know but i had hidden away um on the set hidden away i'd Put, uh, had a little um, graph, a chart, and I would tick off the, the, the how uh, as the shows counted down. I would tick off the shows. It was hidden away underneath another prop, so nobody knew it was there except the sound person and me. And the sound person was hating the job as well because of right. because of the behaviour of a few people. And so we'd have our own little ritual before each show. There would be a sense of um, uh, a celebration that there was one less show to do, and that. That's a real shame that I, yeah. you know, that 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 you're in that situation. Yeah. Um, but it's because just, because you know. I know that you're not that kind of person. I, I know that you that you 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 always consider yourself so fortunate to be doing the things you're doing, and you always get the most out of the things you do. Yeah. That actually brings me back to Katie Seacom, actually, because she did tell me, because um, I didn't really know you. I think we'd met once or twice, and I met Katie a few times, and she said, "Oh, you're going to love Matt. He's the kindest." person i've ever worked with what a bitch you know and um uh you know and i, I think that kind of tells that says a lot oh that's nice and also i will say this and this is, sounds like i'm toadying to you but all the people i know who have been very successful generally stay successful because they're nice people oh thank you you know i'm thinking of you i'm thinking of judy dench right she was like she i mean she is what everybody thinks she is she's the l- loveliest nicest person fabulously talented so normal and she has something in common with us all. oh really oh musicals she she's been in les miserables yes of course she has yeah yeah um i wasn't there for that though but uh, were you in the cast at that point matt no no were you alistair no no it's no. a famous story that she wanted to be a wretch in at the end of the day and then one night she came on and did that Is no that that's right? not quite right no or was it lovely ladies was it, ah, was it well, the it's actually a little bit more complicated than that because she was in a play next door she was in the Gielgud, and the show was running at the Queen's, now the Sondheim, and she had a huge break in the middle of Act ah. Two, 
So she basically, you know, the, as we know, the two theatres are connected. So she put a costume on, came and did the barricade without anybody knowing. Even some of the cast were like, is that Judy Dench? And then she left and finished her own play and, and went home. That was it. I believe, did, didn't, did, didn't she tie up Javert? Yes, she did. Wasn't yeah. that yeah, the she did. Yeah, she yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's great. I mean, I, I that's mean, great. and that she's so cheeky and funny and everything as well, you know. But she's absolutely wonderful and very generous of spirit. And again, one of those really lovely people that you just wish nothing but the greatest success for because they're just lovely, genuine people, yourself included, Matt. Don't worry, I'll edit that bit out. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now then, so talking of Judy Dench, would you like her to be your third third mum? No, 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 no. So the third mum would be my mum. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Can she sing? Well, she can hold a tune. I mean, I, I, she doesn't sort of sing for anyone's benefit, but I went to see a Cliff Richard concert with her and she was, got myself a crying talking. <laughs> She's got a head voice. Right, yeah. She's got a head voice. Living down. Yeah, just sings, just sings for herself and enjoys the singing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she misses words out. Got to do please her. <laughs> Living time. I heard a story that, that Marjorie Dawes' voice was based slightly on Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the that's voice. True. The voices, the sort of siblings. Can I just point out, for anybody yeah. listening at home who doesn't know who Matt Lucas is, he once played a character called Marjorie Dawes in a show called Little Britain. And before and that, shooting, shooting stars, stars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And shooting yeah, stars, of yeah. course, yes. Um, and so, uh, just I think my mum... You know, she's spent a lot of time watching me in things, so I'd like to watch her in something. Oh, lovely. So I, I put her in Mamma Mia. And then as the three dads, mm. well, I would like to be one of the dads because I just want to have fun and sing ABBA with my friends. It's your last show, so I think you're allowed. I think it would need to be a hologram of you. Oh, OK, well, that's fine. I saw a hologram of Laurence Olivier in the musical Time he, why did I think you I were going to say it. Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen? I don't know no, why I thought you were going to say Olivier that. No, Lawrence Olivier played Akash. The character was called Akash in the musical Time, starring Cliff Richard. And I remember two oh. things about it. One is I remember at the bows that Lawrence Olivier, the hologram, takes a bow, which I loved. <laughs> and amazing. did a sort of, oh, thank you very much, thank you, thank you, that's very kind of you, which was great. And then the other brilliant thing I remember was going to stage door afterwards with my mum, who's a huge Cliff fan, and um, and there was a line of maybe sort of 
10 people queuing up to see very orderly, or, you know, middle-aged women and me, queuing up to see Cliff Richard and get an autograph. And Cliff Richard uh, said, OK, guys, look, here's the thing. I'm not going to be signing, um, I'm not going to be personalising autographs uh, today just because I haven't eaten yet and I've got a table booked at a restaurant and the restaurant's uh, last orders are at uh, uh, half past ten and I'm not going to make it if I personalise all the autographs. So I hope you guys don't mind if I just write my name. I hope that's okay. And everyone's like, okay. And then the first person goes in the queue, hello, can you put to Susan? Oh, yeah, I hope you don't mind. Like, I'm not going to personalise the autograph because I've got a reservation at a restaurant. And he just did this to every single person. I just thought... It's much quicker to write to he's Susan, you know. Susan. I bet you he didn't yeah, get any. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's, looking, he's looking very thin. I bet you he didn't get dinner that night. <laughs> so that's what I remember about time. I think that was at the Prince Edward where I did Miss Saigon. Could be. Dominion. Could be. Dominion. Oh, Dominion. It was, it was sure? at the Dominion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was literally just before I started going to see shows in the West End. And that's, one, that's the one show I wish I'd yeah, seen. Well, it's funny, bonkers. isn't it? I mean, where else are you going to see Laurence Olivier and Cliff Richard, man? Th- that's amazing. Thinking about it, if it, you know, if it weren't for British justice, there would be a lot more people who'd done time with Cliff Richard. Yeah, and you can use that. Yeah, that's great. I'm definitely going to put in a little musical sting after that bit. So I like Cliff Richard. I don't care that other people don't. I do. So um, I played Cliff Richard. I, I played Cliff when I was a kid in Amdram. I played him in Summer Holiday. Did you? I bet you were good. I bet you were good. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, well, that's all little thing. <laughs> Did you see Heathcliff, the musical? No. I don't like him enough to have seen that. Did you? <laughs> I did see, I saw a dress run at Earl's Court that they'd set up kind of the set before he went on tour. And right at the end, he did a 25 minute mega mix of all his songs and everybody went mental. Oh, so he just did, he did all his pop hits at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, that's nice. So, I mean, like, why not do a musical of your pop hits then, Cliff? Well, they did. They, they've, been, they've been two or three different Cliff Richard musicals. And me and Walliams wrote a synopsis for a Cliff Richard musical. Okay. And we pitched it to him and he, he passed. And it's a great synopsis. And one day, I hope it sees the light of day. It was an idea that David had. Yeah. And uh, it was called Bachelor Boy. And, and it was, I'm going to say it, it's really funny. What we wrote is really funny yeah. and witty. And I really thought Cliff Richard was going to go for it and say, yeah, let's do it. But he'd had two or three attempts by people to do musicals with his music and none of them had worked and I think he just got... Just jaded. I just think he got scared and thought, I don't want to do that. Do you think, like, uh, any good writer, you could reappropriate that material for somebody else? No, we're not like... Because we're not like any good writer. (laughs) (laughs) So, the three dads. So, it'll be a hologram of me. Yeah. Mm. Hadley Fraser who I shared a dressing room with 10 years ago and who's still a good friend of mine. He's a gentleman. A gentleman of musical theatre, yeah. Yeah, so so, uh, the thing is, uh, I don't know if it's the same because the theatre has uh, been redone, but at the Queen's Theatre, if you were Javert, you shared a dressing room with whoever was playing Tenardier. Yeah, it doesn't work like that now, but yeah. No, but it did do for years, yeah. right? So I was, in a, I was in a dressing room with Hadley Fraser. We never had a crossword. We just laughed and laughed and laughed. We were so silly together. We had such fun, which is important in Les Miserables because yeah. it's, so, it's so heavy yeah. that actually the two of us, you know, he would come off stage after, after playing, you know, Javert's death scene and everything. And it's heavy. It's, you go to dark places to do that. 
and then I would just be sat there in my underpants, moonlighting <laughs> or something. Um, we used to we used to have a little game going on where we'd 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 have a bow challenge. So you'd have to bow. The two of us would would have to bow in a particular style, and we'd we'd pick a word that would describe what the bow should be that night. Right. So we'd say it started out like who could do the longest bow. Uh, of the two of us who could get God, I would love to have seen that. Yeah, who could do the shortest bow? Um, and then it became sort of who could do the smuggest bow? Uh, you know, who could do yeah. the most sort of weary, sort of angriest bow? <laughs> and we just do, we bowed with um, uh, uh, space dust in our mouths just to hear everything popping. You know, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Pop rocks. <laughs> And yeah. uh, and we just we just would set each other the the strangest most abstract bow challenges. So to uh, Hadley Fraser in your company uh, would be great. And then as the other dad, um, I'd cast Alfie Bow because uh, as the gay dad, right? As the as the the gay dad, surely. Well, I probably the guitar playing gay dad. Is he a guitar player? The gay dad. Well, Alfie does play I the know. guitar. Yeah, and he's gay. He's not that gay. I mean, in a happy sense, in a happy sense. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd cast Alfie Bow, and I'd do it because I just think he's just such a brilliant tenor. (laughs) Vocalist. He's just a great vocalist. Come on. This is so annoying, you know. I'm not going to come and watch this show now. I was was in there with you, but now Alfie's doing it. Am I going to have to be on standby? No, there's also a method to my madness, because if he's in Mamma Mia, it means he's not in um, Les Mis or Phantom, so you can do both. (laughs) <laughs> and then on your last night on earth yeah 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 that's my last show on earth yeah doing limits and phantom continuously <laughs> <laughs> then then um yeah so as the young romantic leads i had actually put down judy dench as the young romantic female lead have you well, really? uh, yeah. judy dench as she is now or when she was younger as she is now just a beautiful yeah. woman i mean she's still got she's that got sparkle the in her, her eyes and i feel like yeah. i didn't want cats to be the last musical she ever did so that's good. That's good of you. It was a bit funny when she when she lifted up her leg on that little bed. <laughs> I've not seen it. I've not seen it. Oh, it's a very strange. She she basically shoulders her little cat leg, um, and of course she's a cat, so she's not wearing any clothes. So and there's this odd little strip of fur that's not. It doesn't. It's not meant to be a thing, but it infers. No pun intended. But it infers that there's something between. It's very strange. It's a bit. Strange. It's an unusual movie. I mean, I gave up smoking weed over 20 years ago but by god i mean if i ever miss it i should just watch that movie it's like being stoned no did you i mean did you watch it because you wanted to see the uh, the film of the show or did you watch it because you've got friends in it matt so i'm a huge andrew lowever fan my um former housemate rebel is in the movie james 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 corden's a friend of mine i was i was just um you know i've got a lot of respect for tom hooper and i just wanted to to see the movie and and um you know it's it's i think probably in retrospect like an actual animated movie of cats probably would have been the way to go but but the yeah. other thing is the thing that wasn't really on their side is is cats doesn't really have a storyline does it no it's it's it, it's, no. it's it's a, a it's a selection of poems set to music it's a sort of atmosphere it's a vibe and so and that and i think in film we need a narrative otherwise we we're a bit lost mm. And then as the young romantic lead, just to annoy him, uh, Rob Houchen, because he's desperate. <laughs> yeah, he's desperate to stop playing young romantic leads. He's ready for more mature roles. But he's he's 30 now, but he looks 
sort of 13. He's also he, exceptionally so? good at what he does. He's amazing. He's uh, absolutely amazing. And, you know, he was a brilliant Marius. Alistair was a brilliant Marius. Marius. Uh, Craig Mather, who I used to live with, another mm-hmm. brilliant Marius. Any, any, of, any of you would excel in that role. But I, wasn't, I think... I, I think, wasn't, I, I'll hold my hands up and say I wasn't the world's best Marius. I was 20 years old. You were old. young. You, exactly. You were really... Everyone thinks, oh, Marius, he's only 18 or, or however old he is. But actually... Usually, the usually the, the very best Mariuses. I saw Hadley uh, Fraser do it as well. They're usually in their mid twenties when they when they they really get it. Oh God, I've yeah. done it with thirty year olds. Yeah. Well, Rob yeah. is you Rob's know. now thirty. Um, but you want? I, I I think you just want to see Rob snogging Judy Dench. I think that's the. Thing. I think there's a bit of that. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a wonderful image. So should I tell you who I'd have in the ensemble? Oh, yes, please. Yeah, if you've got a list of ensemble, yes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have ABBA, Queen, The Beatles, Elton John, <laughs> Billy Joel, The Proclaimers, and Laurel and Hardy. And I'd and oh, we might as well chuck in the Spice Girls for good measure. I'd just have yeah. really good... Because yeah. then you'd just be like, hey! So, you know, in like you'd be watching Voulez-Vous or Does Your Mother Know? And then like someone would just step forward to take a line and it would be like Brian May would just be doing a line. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, like the two proclaimers could have a line on this. So you just be like, "Great!" Like, not only do I love all the leads, I know all the ensemble. They're all my favourite rock stars. Yeah. Wouldn't you feel bad for for Abba, who are in the background of all of their own music? Nope. They're just, they're just going shoo shoo up whilst like three West End Wendy's sing their songs. Yeah. I mean, this is like this is a dream, though, isn't yeah. it? You can do whatever you, can want, do what but I if, want. If you can, yeah. can you imagine if that actually was to happen? <laughs> I mean, the dream, the producer's dream, you know? The proclaimers, what are yeah. they going to pop up and do? They could do, well, actually, I mean, there's loads of harmonies for, for two voices in yeah. ABBA. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah I've got these all harmonies. Them, could do it. Them, uh, yeah. Have you changed your mind? I'm the first in <laughs> line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance. That actually would be pretty sick, yeah. Why not? I think they do it very well. So is that your dream cast then? That's my dream cast in my dream show, which I saw with my late partner. So that's a happy memory. Um, the next section that we would like you to partake in is uh, we have got a celebrity question for you, okay. uh, which has been sent. I think Al's got it. It's been sent as a voice note. Oh, uh, we've got, we managed to get a very special celebrity send their, uh, their question to you by voice note. So would you like to play it, Al? Ooh, it's the celebrity question. Ooh, who could it be? the celebrity question from okay Matthew I've got a question for you if you could play one role on stage or on screen before you die what what role would it be and why has anyone seen Handy Andy so that was Linda Barker from Changing Rooms my God. Yeah, Changing Room is the, uh, the, the show that stopped being shown on TV 15 years ago. How did you get that? She's doing my downstairs toilet at the moment. <laughs> so. uh, one role I could play and why? It's a good question. Let's have a think. Let's have a think. Do you know, do you know, I wish... I tell you what. The best performance I've ever seen on a stage 
was John Cameron Mitchell as Hedvig in Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Another show I've yet to see. Oh. It, it, it was, it, and it's really weird because he's a close friend of mine. I've known him for nearly 15 years. Did you know him before you saw the show? Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, because I saw him play the role uh, probably only three or four years ago when, uh-huh. uh, when it was back on Broadway. I don't think it had ever been on Broadway before. I think it had only ever been off Broadway, but it was uh, Neil Patrick Harris did it. And then yeah. I went, I saw Andrew Rannells do it. He was brilliant. Loved it. Really free and sort of, um, if I say sloppy, I mean in a great way, in a, just a kind of, just a man throwing himself into it and, yeah. just, and just kind of, because it's such a challenge to play that role. And a man just putting all of himself into it and, and played without vanity. It was great. Andrew Rannells was really good Hedwig. I loved it. Um, yeah, so then I went to see John do it. And um, it was really weird because I've known him. And then we had dinner after the show and I almost couldn't look at him because he, it, it was the greatest performance I've ever seen on a stage. And he was very wow. self-conscious because he'd broken his ankle. So he had to do do play it with, um, you know, with this giant leg brace. And I was like, oh, yeah, but what you don't know is that that's exactly the sort of thing that would have happened to Hedvig. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Uh, I'd like to be as brilliant as John is and to be able to sing yeah. like John can sing. So what I'd love is to have his talent and yeah. be able so to So you'd like to channel role. him, yeah. channel him and play that yeah. role. Okay, yeah. that's a pretty good answer, yeah. pretty good Amazing. answer. Great. Yeah. Also, sorry, I'd quite like to play Tota, uh, um, the, the little dog in Annie. Oh, Sandy. Sandy, Sandy yeah. yeah. I'd quite like to do that. It's quite nice because those that you often see, don't you? You see the little dog run across the stage and you think, well, obviously that dog's getting a treat. So that, that would be nice. So you've got your dream cast, um, you know, and you've just hit the end of Act One. Yeah. So what are you going to have for your interval drink? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is go for a wee. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that's, I'm one of those, I have to use the cubicle. Right. I get shy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Do you sit down? Oh, I do a sit-down wee at home. Yeah, so do I'm, I. I've got to that age now. I don't... And, yeah, I just take the weight off. And it was the, the DJ and um, household name, Chris Evans, who provided that tip. Yeah. Um, it's something you get up in the middle of the night to go for a wee when you get older, as a man. Yeah. And you yeah. turn the light on, you lift the lid up, all that stuff. But if you do it in the dark, sitting down, you never miss. Yeah. And you don't, you don't wake yourself up too much. So well, totally. So you had your wee. I had my wee. Um, I've done... How would you replace your electrolytes? Well, I'll have to do some selfies on the way to the bar with people. They generally w- would like that. Yeah. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to have a cocktail that uh, me and Rob Houchen created uh, backstage in the Les Mis concert. Um, it's a cocktail of Coke Zero and Pepsi Max. <laughs> like cancelling each other out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, How so... does that taste? Can you t- I know it's an odd question, but I bet it's got a quite a specific taste. It's weird, actually. It doesn't. It's 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 more bitter than you think. It's like. Have you actually made it? Then? Fi- of course, we've made it. We did. We did like. That's hilarious. I think one night we did like Coke, Pepsi, Pepsi Max, Diet Pepsi, Coke Zero. <laughs> we just did like Diet Coke. We just put a little bit of all of them. That's amazing. I mean, I you know, you used to do that as a kid, didn't you? And you went to a service station or whatever. Oh, yeah. And you just, you know, you try it. And, like, and it would be yeah. this kind of brown drink, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know? it's a, like a, Nando, a Nando's cocktail, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 God, that's... Uh, actually, I'm going to try that. I mean, I'm a big fan of Coke Zero. I love Coke Zero. I don't Zero. really like Diet Coke. It's like as close to getting the real yeah, thing I'm, without getting the real I'm thing. I'm with you on that. I'm a Coke Zero man. Once you have Coke Zero, you can't go back to Diet Coke. Yeah, I agree. So that would be your interval drink. Yeah. What we haven't talked about, really, is who you would sit and watch this with. Who's your plus one? Ah, your plus one. Well, I'm going to have a... 
I would have obviously Kevin would be lovely, Kevin, but yeah. but I, I well we can make it a plus two. Yeah. Why not? I'm it's gonna I'm gonna bring um, my two dogs. Right. Okay. Now now neither of them are with oh. us anymore. Uh, yes, Milo and um, Hob, I think I've Hob. met them. I think John, I you met them. them in... Yeah, I brought them into yeah. the theatre. Yeah. Um, and 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 Alistair came to stay at my house uh, in America. And so yeah, they both. They're the most. They're the most gorgeous dogs. And what breed were they? So uh, Milo was a chocolate Labrador, and Hob was a Labrador with a bit of German Shepherd in him. And I would bring Milo to the theatre because I know he would be pretty well behaved. He'd sit in a seat. Yeah. He'd happily watch. Now. I think there's a bit in, the, I think the beginning of Act Two where they get a beach ball out in Mamma Mia. Yeah. That would be problematic. Milo would be on yeah. the stage. He would be piercing <laughs> that beach ball and you wouldn't be able to get it off him. Right. Um, the other dog, Hob, would bark through the show. But he would make no more noise than the pissed up stag parties and hen <laughs> nights make uh, on, uh, in the audience of a show like Mamma Mia. So... As far as I'm concerned, it's me, Kevin, and the dogs. Yeah, but I live now in a house with no outside space, so I haven't got any more dogs. Uh, they, they both died now. And, but one day, I'll, I'll move somewhere with a bit of outside space, and I'll get some dogs. Yeah. Again. Well, I mean, I've got a dog, and I, he's my second dog. And growing up as a young lad, we lived in a flat above a butcher shop, and we didn't really have the room for a dog. And I absolutely adore having a dog now. You know, They're it's great. an amazing thing. But you do, you're right, you do have to have the space and you also have to have the time to give them. Yep. You know? Definitely. Um, I never have one. No? I would like to have one, but, um, but it, I, at the moment, two kids. Yeah. I've, yeah. Got, a, I've got an eight-week-old and a, and a 20-month-old. Well, when they... The idea of a dog, you know. When your two lovelies are a bit older... Then a dog mm. might be a, might be a really nice thing to to a welcome addition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so because I never had one as a kid. They're great. I never had one as a they kid. They are the best. I never ha- I never had them. Never had a dog. They are they're the best. When did you get your first dog? Well, we got uh, Milo together. So so um, in I, I, th- I would your say your first dog. Milo was your first dog. Yeah, two thousand and seven, maybe two thousand and eight, around then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was he from a puppy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's what, what? How old is he when he died then? Uh, he was twelve. He was twelve and a half, and Hob was ten and a half, and they wow. died within ten weeks of each other. Uh, I remember, Both had cancer. I remember Milo being when I was last in LA, yeah. and the, I remember him just being old. You know? Yeah, I might play. I might play some sad music under this bit. You don't need to. Yeah. you don't need to. Why don't you play? Daddy wouldn't buy me a bow wow. <laughs> Now then, um, mm. so we've got your last show. We've got your Dreamcast. We know what your interval drink would be. Pepsi, Puzzle, Pepsi puzzling Max as it and is. Coke Zero. We, we're going to give you a plus three. You can bring your dogs and you can bring Kevin if Thank you want. You. Now, where would you go for dinner afterwards? Well, I've thought about this. There was a Chinese restaurant that was only open for about 18 months. Um, and it's, it, it's where the Wolsey is now. On, on Piccadilly, just next to the oh, Ritz. Right, yeah. But it, was, it wasn't like a ridiculous... In fact, if you go into the walls, you can still see a little bit of Chinese um, decor on the walls, some uh, Chinese, okay. Chinese decor on the walls still. Um, it wasn't uh, like a... Um, it, wasn't, it was cheaper than the Wolsey, let's say. You know, it, was, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was like one of those places where you, you pick your noodle, then you pick the, the, the meat, then you pick the style. Oh, you know, it was right. like yeah. that yeah. kind of thing, you know. And the thing is, I, when I was first coming out... Um, I was sort of just about summoning up the courage in my mid-twenties. I was a late starter, summoning up the courage in my mid-twenties to sort of go on dates. And, and I just thought, oh, well, you know, 
you have to sort of go on formal dates. So I'd sort of put on a suit and <laughs> uh, I'd go on dates with people. And um, and I would never, ever, the, the dates would never go further. They, none of these guys were interested in me. It never just went. I don't know what, whether I was giving off the wrong vibe or whatever. But I would always take them to this restaurant because they did the most amazing pan-fried mushrooms. And I used to just think to myself, well, if I don't get laid, at least I had the pan-fried mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. Which is a really... And of course, which is, mushrooms are a famous aphrodisiac. Well, they, 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 they just... <laughs> Fungi. Yeah, they, they worked on me. They never worked <laughs> with who I was with. I mean, this restaurant was basically... If I went there, the date was a disaster. I don't know oh. why, but the pan-fried mushrooms, I can taste them today. I've never had pan-fried mushrooms like them. They were just... They were, in a, they were a kind of um, tempura batter. Almost. Oh, really? And wow, they were like a good. tiny bit of chilli, and they were just heavenly. And then eventually, I did go there with Kevin, so it, it was a happy ending. But um, it's a shame that restaurant's gone. Did he share the pan-fried mushrooms with you? Well, I, I think I'm, I'm, I probably ordered him one of his own, so I didn't want to share them. Oh, right, OK. And was it one of those wow. moments where like, he, he ate the pan-fried mushrooms and went, wow, these are amazing, and he went... Yep. Yep. You're the guy. Stick You're the guy. with me, kid. There's pan-fried mushrooms whenever you want them. Yeah. So you've gone to a, a what is now a very theatrical restaurant, which before it was theatrical. I love that. That's I love nice. that. It's, I like it when people place it when people choose places that don't exist anymore. Like, yeah. Well, there's another one yeah, that I don't think exists anymore. When I was in Taboo, the the um, uh, over well over 20 years ago now, with Luke Evans, what happened to him? Um, he's probably my least favourite famous Welshman. Oh. Because he's, he's good-looking, talented, and a lovely bloke. And doesn't seem to age. And <laughs> no. just gets more stacked. No, I know, yeah. yeah. I remember you, Jumba, Jumba Matt, me and you went for brunch with him. Yeah. In LA? Yeah, he's lovely. He's a sweetheart. We were in, we were in Taboo together. He was together. really nice. Yeah, he's a lovely man. Yeah. He's a lovely he man. He actually came to see me in Taboo. He came to the opening night. Um, and he was sat in the front row, oh. and, I, and I was playing this part that I knew he'd played, and he was now this film star. He's just done Lord of the Rings, and I'd walk straight out. First thing I see is Luke Evans' face like this, looking up at me like that. I was just very, very nervous. Tell you what, though, you were I great in that. You were great in Taboo. You were really good. Oh, it's good. It's a great show, isn't it? Yeah, you were really good. I saw them both. I saw, obviously, I was in the original, and I saw you do it, and you were you smashed it. Do you know it's one of those shows that I never saw, and I never got the chance to see because I was always working, but. It's had a legacy where people say nothing but amazing things. Yeah, about it. it's it's uh, it, it also came about at a time when there just wasn't really much like that, and and yeah. you know Australia had had Priscilla, and we hadn't really had anything like that here—a kind of big gay musical for a while. And and it's quite out there with you know the things they say. And stuff, yeah, yeah, still, yeah. Like, it was very un, it was very shocking. unapologetic and very gay, and and it oh. was great. So what's this? What's this restaurant that was near Taboo? Uh, when we were in now, here's, look. All right, here's the thing. You'll understand this. When you're in uh, tech rehearsals for a play, or when you're rehearsing a play, all the cast go, go for little lunches together, don't they? They all gather together. Yeah. When the play opens, you just live your own lives. You turn up at the theatre, do your warm-up, do the show, have a laugh, and go home. Some people go out for a drink afterwards. I never do, because I always worry it's going to affect my voice if I, if I mm. go to a loud bar and have to shout over the music. So, yeah. so I'm uh, you know, boring as anything and just go straight home. Uh, I think the word you're looking for is professional. Oh, you could say professional. Mm. But there's, a, there's a, a, a thing that happens, you know, there's a kind of optimism. Uh, nobody's bored of their uh, uh, doing the show yet. No one's had bad reviews. <laughs> nobody's worried, you know, nobody's played to half-empty houses yet. You're still in that rehearsal stage and you're in that tech rehearsal stage where you're there 
at the theatre for hours and hours and hours, all day, all night, it seems. And then you get an hour, don't you, or sometimes an hour and a half for dinner, and you'll go out. And we used to go to the Stockpot, which I think, I don't know if it's still, oh, is it still it's there? It's gone now. Don't think gone, it exists. Which no. was on Old Compton Street. I love the Stockpot. And West End Kitchen. And the thing about yeah. West End Kitchen was you could buy a whole meal for about £2.50. And yeah. so actors yeah. who are, you know, when you're on rehearsal, this is the other thing, rehearsal wages are not the same as the wages you get once no, exactly. the show is open. So, But actors on rehearsal wages could go to the West End kitchen and have tinned vegetables and uh, <laughs> rice pudding. A square of sponge. Yeah, yeah. all of that. And, and sponge pudding and custard and all that kind of stuff. And cabbage and just the things that other restaurants are way too cool to serve. Yeah. And, and it was as much as anything about us all, you know, not, none of us being very wealthy, just crowding around a table during rehearsals, gossiping, chattering, um, enjoying each other's company before all the rivalries happened, before, yeah. <laughs> before, you know, before all the resentments, before people come on and they're hung over and do a bad show, before actors fall out, before people get bored. Get bored. Yeah. You're before painting a terrible picture of our industry. Well, you Matt. know, you know, there's always people that don't get on, but it's before that. It's rehearsals. Yeah. There's optimism and and uh, you're still sort of discovering people, learning about. Yeah, people. yeah. Right, we've literally been inspired by uh, you and your colleagues of a previous show. John is going to do um, is going to sing a song in the style of a club singer. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm going to sing a show tune. Go on. In a club singer style, and you've got to guess what the show tune is. Uh, if you can guess the name of the tune and the name of the musical, you'll get two points uh, for no reason whatsoever because there's there's no need there's to no get game. any points. Yeah. Let's let's see how I do. Okay, here we go. Hey, many, 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 many. Happy to be rich and you feel like an agent. Happy to pay for a key as capid. If you happen to be rich and alone and need a companion, you ring ting-a-ling for the maid. If you happen to be rich and you find you lift by your loving moon and you're going quite a lot, you can take another jingle, a cap, and begin to recover on your fourteen carat job. That is. Hey, man! He make the will go around, the will go around, the will go around, man! He make the will go around, I bet we both are sure. Don't be a bore. <laughs> Any idea what that oh, is, Matt? Do you know, funnily enough, I think it could have been a Candor and Ebb song <laughs> yes, from the musical yes. cabaret called Money, Money. Uh, which is that upper song, so there's a neat little connection there. There you go. Well, I feel like maybe I should do, I should do Matt's recap. Yes, what why do you don't think? you do a little recap there? <laughs> um, so, it's your last show on Earth. Yeah. Meteors headed headed towards Earth. Yep. You can you can see it in the sky. You run into the theater. Oh, where are you going to watch it? Very quickly. What theater? You can you can choose the venue too. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know about that. I didn't think about that. I can choose the venue. Yeah, it can be anywhere. It can be an abandoned castle, or, or it can be the Gilgood, whatever you want. It could be a living room if you want. <gasps> I think I might. You have um, to leave home. I might have it in my bathroom actually, and then I can. Then I don't have to worry about queuing for the toilet. I can watch. I can be sitting on the toilet for the entirety of the performance. Or you could Smart. be having a bath. Oh, you could be having that'd be a bath. nice. And then you don't even have to get out of the bath to go to the toilet. Or maybe in my bedroom, and then I can. And then I can what, literally be in bed while the show's happening. Well, that's nice. Heaven. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So you're. So this is actually panning. This is panning out to be one of the best. Uh, wait, hang yeah, on a second. That sounds events. like lockdown. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Right. So, recap. So, your your recap last back. show. Your last show on Earth. You see the meteor. You head back into your own house. And you go up to your bed. <laughs> and there is Kevin, Milo and Hop. Yep. And you all curl up. 
and you watch Mamma Mia with uh, with all the full lighting effects, yep. full sound, full surround sound. Yeah, not too you've loud because Maz- I don't want to upset the neighbours. Yeah, right. No, just a, you've all got big headphones on, so it's really loud in your headphones. Mm. It's like one of those one of those parties, one of those um, silent silent discos, right? Yeah. And you've got Maz Murray playing Donna, yeah. Katie Seacum, and your own mother playing the two other mums. That's joyous. Yeah. yeah. Then you've got a, a hologram of yourself. <laughs> a hologram of yourself yeah. with um, playing bowing games with Hadley Fraser and and Alfie Bow singing the, the quite frankly the best vocal I've ever heard. Yeah, but actually, <laughs> so you know Alfie doesn't do eight shows a week. No. <laughs> yeah. That's documented. Yeah. No, it's in his contract. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. so uh, so uh, John, come and do the other shows. Yeah. All right. Great. Great. So, so it's it's a, it's a flip of the coin as as to who you're going to get playing the gay dad. Good. Then we've got <laughs> then we've got Rob Houch. Got Rob. Yeah, Houchin but Alistair, playing Sky. Alistair, Rob is yeah. not. Gonna, Rob's only going to do six months. So will you come and yeah. you, you yeah. come and do the other six? I'll pop in the sky for the other six. That's fine. Wait, how, I mean, how long is this meteor taking to get to Earth? <laughs> yeah, a year apparently. Yeah, yeah. it's a year. It's a year long contract. Sorry, I didn't yeah. tell you. It's, it's a year long show. It never stops. Yeah. Twenty four hours. Very slow meteor. Yeah. yeah, stock up on the on the Pepsi Max and Coke Zero to make sure you can mix them. Yes, with some lime, always with lime. Yeah, and uh, to watch Rob Houch and making out with a and a, a not young <laughs> an old duty. Yes, dench. but still in the cat outfit. And then in the ensemble, we're going to see little uh, just just pop up single lines from the likes of Elton John, <laughs> Billy Joel, the Proclaimers, the Beatles, Queen, and ABBA themselves yeah. singing their own music. The Spice, Girl, the Spice Girls was mentioned yeah, as well. The Spice Girls was mentioned, and also Laurel and yeah, Hardy. Yeah, for the correct? comic for oh. the comedy bits. Yeah, they would just amazing. go and fall over in the exactly. background. Great. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. Okay. And you'd be drinking a cocktail of Coke Zero and Pepsi Max, as we've already discussed. We, we know your plus ones are Kevin, Milo and Hobbs. Yeah, and then for dinner afterwards. You're going to this, what is now the Walsley for the pan-fried mushrooms. That's right. But, I mean, I suppose if you're at home, you could just get a takeout, yeah? Get a Deliveroo. This podcast is sponsored now by Deliveroo. <laughs> now. <laughs> well, in that case, yes, I better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank, <laughs> yeah. thank you I'm, very I'm much. Use Uber Eats. Yes, it's contractual. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. That sounds like an awesome night, I yeah. have to say. Yeah. It does sound pretty good, yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, it's about fun. Oh, and yeah. Do you know what? It's completely changed the feeling. When it, now that it's in your bedroom, mm. it, it makes it so much fun. Because yeah. all the lights just happening in a place that you know so well. Yeah. And, uh, and all the sap. I'd like a glitter ball to come down and all of that. Mirror ball, yeah. oh, mirror ball. Yeah, mirror ball. I'm so, you're in bed, yep. right? I, will, I mean, this is a personal question, but do you wear pyjamas or do you sleep no. naked? or? So you're completely naked as well. Yeah, oh yeah. Amazing. That's it. But just right. under the covers. I, I, I don't think we should discuss the last show anymore. That is the perfect framing of mm-hmm. it. Because you can't beat that. You can't. Thank <laughs> you very much. That's fan- that's a fantastic last show on that. Yes, bravo, 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 bravo. bravo. So we've come to the end. Um, there's... You know, there's so many more things we could talk about. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Uh, it's incredible that you found the time to talk to us. But before we go, um, we'd like to wrap up the interview with our Billy Elliot joke. Now, if you audition for the show Billy Elliot, you apparently have to tell a joke as part of the audition process. So to um, say goodbye to everyone listening, Matt Lucas, would you like to tell us your Billy Elliot joke? Knock, knock. Who's there? Two. To who? No, it's to whom. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's very good. <laughs> that is right. That's very good. And he calls himself a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> that's my joke. That's great, Matt, actually. I hope yeah. I got the Thank job. You so, so Thanks much. for having me. Oh, you've got the job. You've got the job. You're going to be playing a, a minor, no problem. Excellent. No, mate, I can see him in a tutu. Come on. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. I would never wear women's. I will never wear women's clothes <laughs> ever. <laughs> Lovely to see you both. Matt Lucas, thank you very much for joining us on the last show on Earth. So, there you have it, the last show on Earth of Mr Matt Lucas. Do you know, there's got to be a sir in front of that name soon, or maybe even a dame. Do you enjoy that, Al? I think it was great fun. And if you liked what you heard, please uh, tell your friends, hit the follow button and listen again next time. Now, Matt continues to delight us on our screens in The Great British Bake Off. He's been very busy as well shooting his new movie, Wonka. It's a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, alongside Timothy Chalamet, Olivia Colman and Rowan Atkinson. Mr Bean. (laughs) And you can also buy all of his books, including The Very Silly Book of Pranks, The Very, Very, Very Silly Book of Games, and The Very, 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 very silly book of jokes. They're very good fun. Now, it's been so long since you recorded this episode, quite a few things have happened. Mamma Mia has celebrated its 23rd year in the West End, uh, though I think it sells just fine without us flogging it, and Maz Murray, the leading star of the show, has sadly sold her bakery. Talking of bakers, I'll be playing a certain blue-eyed baker in the Great British Bake Off musical this summer. Do you think my eyes are blue enough, Al? I think they're blue, but they're not oceans of blue like Paul's. I don't think I could swim in them. I could probably, I could probably paddle in them. <laughs> um, Changing Rooms is now back on television, sadly, without Linda Barker. And the production of Oklahoma that Matt loved so much from New York is actually running at the Young Vic here in London until the 25th of June 2022. So, that's it. We hope you enjoyed the show. We certainly did. And we also hope that you join us next time when we ask another very special guest... What is your last last show on Earth? On here we ask a question nobody dared to ask. If you had a day to live, what show would be your last? What is your last show on Earth? This is the last show on Earth. John. My name is Al. Been friends a long time past. You want to know what show you'd see if you knew it was to be your last? What is your last show on earth? This is the last show on earth. What is your last show on earth? What is your When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.